want to talk to you about things that happen in our life because we weren't paying attention. We didn't see it coming because we weren't paying attention. Have you ever been walking on a sidewalk and tripped over something and then you look and there's nothing there but you pointing at something so that the world thinks that there was something there? You're like, what is that all about? Can you believe that? In reality, there was nothing there. It's just you weren't paying attention. We didn't pick our feet up enough. How many of you had your annual weigh-in at the doctor and you were surprised by how much you've grown as an individual over that year, but not in the way you were hoping? Because we weren't paying attention. We weren't paying attention to possibly our lack of exercise and movement, possibly paying attention to what was going in our mouth and all kinds of things. Today I want to talk to you about that. Things that happened to us, things that we didn't see coming because we weren't paying attention. We were unprepared. We possibly were biased in some areas that we didn't realize. We were negligent in some things or even ignorant of some things. It's amazing our capacity to miss cues. Husbands, give me an amen. Some of those subtle signals in life. It's amazing our capacity to miscue signs and even create some of our own problems. It's not a result of the fallen world. We can't even blame it on the devil or even a fallen humanity. This is stuff that we just plain missed it because we weren't paying attention. Today I want to talk to you about being aware, having your eyes wide open. Aware in three areas, write it in your notes. Being aware of yourself, being aware of others, and being aware of your time and season. I want to talk to you about being aware of yourself, others, and your times and seasons. Speaking of awareness and not paying attention to how it can cost you, I remember, boy, it must have been 10, 12 years ago, my son, I'm going to actually name him Daniel. <laughs> Uh-oh. He was playing on, it was either my phone or it was an iPod that he got um, at Christmas, something like that. And he had this race car game. He may not even remember this. He had this race car game, and I was busy doing something. I don't remember what it was. I'm sure I was caught up in the middle of something in the house. And he was like, Dad, I just need you to hit this button so that I can just get this car. And I'm thinking, you know, average car, the games at that time are like 99 cents, right? So he's like, Dad, would you do this? And I was in the middle of something, and I didn't read before I touched the button. And all of a sudden, I get a notification on my credit card. Thank you for your $100 purchase in a car app game, which means nothing to our lives. And I remember thinking, how do I cancel this purchase? And I couldn't find out how to cancel it. So then I'm thinking, you better have got the best car that you've ever received. And I didn't even find out how to use the $100 in the game. It was completely a miss because I wasn't paying attention and it cost me dearly. Self-aware. Let's talk about that first, being self-aware. We didn't see that coming because we weren't paying attention. I want to talk to you about David. David is a man after God's own heart. David loved the Lord, absolutely loved the Lord. But there are some things that happened in his life because he stopped paying attention. Because you know what? We can be paying attention in one season, but we forget to pay attention in this season. And you can't just look back to those times that you were running hard after God and just assume that all of that energy is going to keep you all the days of your life. How many of you know you have to pay attention in every season that you're in? And so I want to talk to all of us God lovers out there to make sure that we're aware of what's going on on the inside of us. Because even individuals like David who fought great battles, saw great victories, every season of your life, may we be on our cutting edge. May we be aware of where we are with God personally and where we're going. Here we are with David. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. What's going on on the inside of us? That's what we're thinking about right now using David's life. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, in the spring of that year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab. So notice kings normally go out, but in this in particular season, this time of war, David didn't go. He sent someone in his place. And the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army. They laid siege to the city of Rabbah, 
However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And it's interesting that the Bible would designate or note that or point that out. That this is the time the kings normally go out to war, but David sent someone else. And interestingly enough, the campaign was still successful. And so in that thinking, you might think the only thing God's worrying about is that the army is victorious. But something was going on on the inside of David that we weren't aware of, that David may not even have been aware of. In verse 2, late one afternoon, after this, his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had... She had just completed purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, and she sent David a message saying, I am pregnant. So now go to chapter 12. So you see, David was supposed to be in front of his army leading, but for some reason, David sent Joab. He didn't go. He took a nap. He gets up walks around his palace, looks outside the balcony, and he sees this woman of special beauty bathing on her roof. Do you know, if, if David would have been in battle where he was supposed to be, he never would have been there to see Bathsheba. He never would have inquired about her. He never would have brought her into his home, and he never would have continued down this slippery slope that continued to bring destruction. So we start there. Why wasn't David in battle. Why wasn't he going? Why wasn't he leading? Was something going on inside of David that we were unaware of? Was David weary? Was David feeling like his input wasn't necessary? Maybe he was too big, he was too successful, and he no longer had to do those difficult things and he delegated them on to other people? Was David now feeling maybe he wasn't as important or he was useless? Maybe he kind of felt depressed. And maybe when you feel depressed, you don't feel like going and leading. You want other people to lead. So you begin to hide and withdraw yourself and let other people begin to do what you were called to do. We don't know why David didn't go. But something was going on on the inside of David. And if we don't deal with that and get ourselves back to where we're supposed to be, we won't realize the type of choices and sins and compromises we're going to be opening ourselves up to. David would never have been in that situation and it never would have spiraled out of even more control if he would have been where he was supposed to be. What was going on on the inside of David? Was it pride? Was it fear? Was it depression? We don't know. That kept him from being where he was supposed to be. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, we see that God sends a prophet to David. Now, what I didn't tell you in the past, last chapter was this. When David heard Bathsheba was pregnant, he wanted to cover it up. And so he brought Bathsheba's husband home from battle. Yes, she was married. Remember, the servant said the wife of Uriah. But he ignored that because he wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. So he said, well, this is going to look very bad on me, very bad on everything. So We'll bring Uriah home. He can sleep with his wife off the battlefield. No one will know, and we'll just move on. But Uriah wouldn't go home to be with his wife because he was an honorable man. And so he kept staying with his fellow soldiers. He would not allow himself to re receive rest or the care and comfort of his wife because his brothers were out in battle. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. And so David couldn't get him to go home to cover up his mistake. So then David says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to have to remove Uriah. So I'm going to send a letter in his own hand. Uriah literally carried his own death note, not knowing it. And he said, Uriah, take this note to Joab. And so he did. Joab, the leader of the army, and he handed it to him. And the letter basically said, put Uriah in the front of the heaviest battle and then withdraw. And so David literally organized, orchestrated Uriah's murder and covered it up in battle. Remember, this is David, a man after God's own heart. This is David, the shepherd boy who would sing and prophesy beautiful music and psalms. This is David who took out Goliath. This is David who was so righteous he wouldn't touch King Saul, God's anointed, 
He was very aware of what was going on on the inside of him, but in this moment, he was not aware of who he was or what he was capable of and what he had just done. And so God sends a prophet, Nathan, to make him aware, to help him see himself and see how far he'd fallen and to take some ownership and some stock into who he was. 2 Samuel chapter 12, And the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David a story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb and that he had bought. He raised the little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing the animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and he killed it and prepared it for his guests. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs for the poor man that he stole for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. I was like, whoa. See, here's what God was doing through Nathan. He was helping David see what he had become. He was putting a mirror up to David to say, become aware of yourself, David. Come out of this fog. Come out of this deception. See where you are, David. You are the man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if, you had not, if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah. All of a sudden, here God through the prophet calls David a murderer. Wow. You know how many times we kind of gloss over the words of what we have become? I've missed it. Oh, you know, I kind of blew it. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And God just cuts right through it to make him aware. You murdered you murdered David. No matter what justification or whatever you call yourself, let me help you see who you are. You murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. You stolen his wife. From this time your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes. He will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Verse 13 is what I want you to see. And this is what we have to learn from David. David is still a man after God's own heart, even through this, by the way. And you can see it in his response. In verse 13, David says, David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I'm so thankful that David gives us this example. First of all, he misses it huge. He sins, he murders, he steals, and he owns it when he's confronted. When he's made aware of it, David doesn't sit there and get mad at the prophet and say, I'm going to execute you too, Nathan. I'm the king. How dare you accuse me of this? Are you hearing me, church? David, being a man after God's own heart, being a man or woman after God's own heart doesn't mean you don't sin, doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. But when God comes and shows you what's going on, may we, like David, own it and say, Lord, thank you. You have pointed myself out to me because you love me, right? Because you're trying to help me get back on track. I will not deny it. I will not hide from it. I won't point fingers at other people and accuse other people. I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. Amen. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for your sin. That's powerful. You know, David didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to be an adulterer and a murderer today. There's a quote the Lord gave me years ago, and I want you to write this in your notes. The worst part about deception is that it's so deceiving. That's the worst part about deception. It's so deceiving. 
David didn't see himself. He didn't see how far he'd fallen. He didn't see what his actions were doing and what he'd become or what he had been capable of. And praise God, he sends people into our lives. He sends prophets. He sends his word. He sends sermons. He sends friends to come and to try to help us see ourselves. May we be people that want to repent when that moment happens and not try to kill the messenger. Because God is not trying to humiliate you, he's trying to heal you. He's not trying to destroy you, he's trying to keep you from destruction. God loves you and is still on your team, still loves you, though we have fallen and make such great mistakes. But the worst part about it is he was deceived and David couldn't see himself and deception can be so deceiving. We need outside perspective and points of view to help us see ourselves. I would think that Judas, the same thing. Let's jump to the New Testament. I don't think Judas Iscariot saw himself as the betrayer. See, so many times when we begin to go down these paths, we start justifying those choices. David began to justify, he's the king, and whatever he was going through emotionally, this experience with Bathsheba was either owed to him or it wouldn't hurt anybody. And how many times have we justified our choices saying, this isn't gonna hurt anybody. I deserve this right now because of the pain or what I felt or the rejection that other people are giving me. Somehow we tell ourselves a story. We don't call ourselves an adulterer. We don't call ourselves in fornication. We don't call ourselves sinful. We call ourselves somehow justified. Judas doesn't call himself a betrayer. He thinks somehow he's helping Israel. He thinks somehow Jesus is the one that's off and Judas is the one trying to bring this thing back on track. We can lie to ourselves. We can be so wrong. It's huge. Amen. David was shocked when he saw himself and who he had become. So the question that we ask ourselves right now, today, is what's going on on the inside of us? If you're taking notes, just write that down for a minute. What's going on on the inside? I mean, what if David would have paused and said to himself, why didn't I go out to battle? This is my season. This is one of the reasons I'm here. I'm supposed to lead the army. Why did I delegate that away? What's, why am I feeling insecure, fearful, tired, bored? Why am I not taking responsibility and leading? Why am I not filled with the same passion and energy that I used to be filled with? What's going on? Sometimes we just don't pause long enough to realize something's going on in here. And today is one of these God interruption moments to help us see ourselves and to ask ourselves the question, how are you doing? How are you doing? Not your husband. I hope my husband's hearing this right now. How are you doing? Not your wife. I hope my wife's hearing this right now. How are you doing? Oh, my kid needs to hear this today. Stop it. How are you doing with Jesus? How is Kevin Kringle doing with Jesus? Where is my heart today? Am I further away from God than I used to be? Is there a season in my life I was more passionate than I am now? Is there a season where I loved God more than I love him now? And if so, why? Why is that there? And what do I want to see moving forward? I pray and hope that every season of my life, I grow, I love God more, and I chase him further and stronger and more passionately than I chased him in the past. I don't believe that your greatest days of Christianity are your early days. Some people will say that you're, you get more people saved in your early days of Christianity than you do the rest of your life because you're so passionate when you first meet Jesus. I resist that thought. I believe the more you walk with Jesus, the more you have to brag about on Jesus. The more you've experienced his faithfulness, the more you can't keep your mouth silent because you've seen him come through time and time again. I didn't even know the Lord the moment I accepted the Lord. I'm grateful I accepted him, but now that I know the Lord, I am really grateful I received Jesus and he received me, and I've got a whole lot more to say, and I've got a whole lot more to be excited and passionate about than I did on day one. So those of you that have been serving Jesus for 40 years, you should be the one shouting the loudest. You should be the one celebrating with your hands up, tears down your face. 
you don't get old and stale and dry out because you have seen the goodness of God and you're prophesying it to the next generation and you're giving them hope that if we walk with God for decades, that it gets better and sweeter as the days go by, that we don't turn into the dead, frozen, chosen. We turn into the living, active saints, living stones in the church and in the house of God. Show us how to love God. Show us how to worship. Show us how to give. Show us how to serve. Show us how to be excited about Jesus. Amen. Don't you dare pass on enthusiasm to the youth because, oh, enthusiasm's for the young. Don't you dare pass off your responsibility to lead in the house of God to another generation. Amen. The youth may have younger legs, but you may you have louder praise. More, more to speak of, more testimony. Amen. It's important to ask ourselves questions. I'm not talking about being double-minded, asking yourself questions like you can't make up your mind. I'm talking about being inquisitive. Say inquisitive. About what's going on in here. Write these words down, these phrases down. What am I doing right now? What am I doing? How am I doing it? Am I doing it with my best? Am I doing it with right heart and motive? Why am I doing this? See, you can ask, isn't it great we can ask ourselves questions? God has given us the ability to think about our thoughts. You, as God's creation, made in the image of God, he's given you the ability to literally stand outside yourself and analyze yourself. Why are you doing this, Kevin? Why are you acting like this? Is this the best that you've given God in your life? Are you hearing me? I don't know that any other God's creations can do that. I don't know that my dog, I don't have a dog, but if I had a dog, I don't know that my dog could step outside of itself, look at itself, say, Rover, why do you want that right now? Why do you want to chew on that table leg? What are you going through emotionally right now? I don't think our dogs sit there and think about their thoughts. But we have the ability to think about what's going on. To evaluate. Amen. Amen. And we can even ask God for help. Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 through 24. Search me thoroughly, O God. Know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. We can ask God even today, what's going on in here? God, help me to know what's going on in here because I don't even totally trust myself because deception is so deceiving. I may give myself some really high marks and God may say, you need to bring that down a little bit more balanced. Or I may give myself some low marks and God says, you know what? You're being too hard on yourself. I actually have seated you with me in heavenly places. You need to start seeing yourself as my son or daughter. Stop speaking so down on yourself. I don't even need my own thoughts right now. I need God's thoughts about what's going on on the inside. Are you hearing me, church? So today was about being aware of yourself, others, and your times and seasons. And before we move on to others, I want to give you a quick tool to help you out. My mentor growing up, one of them, her name was Jeannie Mayo. She's been here a couple of times. And she used to say this in talking about self-health, self-awareness. She used to use this expression, halt. Halt. And it means hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You could even use the expression hurting, angry, lonely, tired. And what she would say was determine if you're feeling or sensing any of these things, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and if you are, stop. Don't make any rash decisions during this period of time. Like, don't quit your job. Hello. Don't make big life-changing decisions. We're going to move. Or I'm going to leave my family. Are you hearing me, church? I'm going to leave my church. Halt. Stop. Hungry. What does hungry mean? It means you have an unmet need somewhere. 
an unmet spiritual need. You haven't feasted on God's word, so I wouldn't trust what you're feeling right now. Are you hearing me? An unmet need, a, a hunger, spiritual hunger, an unmet spiritual need, an unmet emotional need, mental need, relational need. There's places in our lives that we have these unmet needs. Don't make any rash, sudden decisions or moves. Halt. Like David, I know you think you want Bathsheba right now, but maybe, you're, maybe you just need a sandwich. <laughs> Hello. Or maybe you need to go back to the house of God and worship a little bit because it's been a while since you were the first one in the house of God praising. And you're believing that this woman, this adulterous relationship is going to fulfill that need because there's a void there. But you know what? That sin is never going to fulfill that need. That's a deception. Maybe you're angry. Something's made you angry. Someone said something. Something happened. Your children hurt you or your parents hurt you or someone at work has hurt you. And when you're angry, you make really bad choices when you're angry. You're like, I'm going to do this. Don't do it. Stop. See, what's going on on the inside? You have to ask yourself the question, lonely. You haven't been in community. You haven't been around. You've isolated yourself. You don't go to home group, Calvary groups. You don't go to, you're not on a team. You don't go to prayer meetings. You're never around. You're lonely. And in your loneliness, you make a lot of bad decisions. You're tired. Sometimes you just need a nap. Don't you wish it was still like when you were a kid? How come when I was a kid and I was grumpy and I had an attitude and I was off a little bit, they would, someone would look at me and said, you need a nap. Yes. And your kid, your five, your six-year-old, they're always like, I don't need a nap. And they're like, you need a nap. Well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not tired at all. You're fussy because you're tired. No, I'm fussy because I want this. No, you're fussy because you're tired. Mom and dad knew better. How come now when we're fussy and grumpy, we don't put each other in time out for a nap? Because you're a grown person and that would be weird. Someone's like, you need a nap. But you know that's what God did to the prophet Elijah? The prophet Elijah was all grumpy. He was wanting to die. You know what God did? He said, go take a nap. And if the prophet Elijah, who calls fire out of heaven, needs a nap, how many of you know some of us need a nap too? Amen. Come on. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. What's going on on the inside? What's going on on the inside? Now, that's, those are not excuses, by the way, for us to sin. Oh, I sinned because I, was, I had a need. I was hungry. I was lonely. I was angry. I was tired. That's why I did it. No, I'm not talking about excuses. I'm talking about you understanding why you're vulnerable. Even if you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, it's not an excuse to go sin. Are you hearing me? But it's an awareness that, wait a minute, right now I am not at my best to make a choice. And the choice I'm about to make is probably the wrong choice. And it will hurt someone and hurt myself. Aware of others. So that was us being aware of ourselves. Aware of others. Can you take a little bit more? Aware of others. Are we aware that other people have stuff going on in their lives? How many times do we just think the whole world revolves around us? And somebody says something or does something and we're so offended and we are not aware that maybe they are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Maybe rather than getting offended, the best thing you could do is buy them a sandwich. Come on, somebody. But we would never do that. Why? Because we want to just be angry with them and have offense against them and we forget other people are going through stuff as well. Can we be aware that there are things going on on the inside of others as well, that they have needs, and maybe we could even help them with their needs. Remember, I didn't see it coming. David could have said, I didn't see it coming because he stopped paying attention to what was going on on the inside of himself. Sometimes your relationships with others break down because we're not paying attention of what's going on in them. Why don't they call me? How come they're not my friend? Why aren't they nice to me? You know what, I'm not gonna be nice to them. And we begin to destroy relationships with other people because we're not aware that they may be going through something as well. What they're expressing to you may be a result of a personal need that they have too. Maybe it's not about you. Are you hearing me? Aware of others. Are we aware that other people have stuff going on? Let's use our spouses as an example. Do we ever ask a question about what do they need right now? So many times it's like, well, they're not fulfilling my needs. 
But can we ask the question, what possibly could they need right now? Why are they closed right now? Why are they reacting this way right now? Is there anything I can do to serve them? Is there anything they need? Now, spouses, I want to ask you to be honest when you are asked by your spouse if you have any needs. Too many times, like I said earlier, you know, we can miss cues and things that might be obvious. Now, I'm going to say this to our, our wives in the room. First of all, I want to pause and say happy birthday to my wonderful wife this morning. Yes? Happy birthday. <laughs> it's the annual celebration of her 29th birthday, everybody. We are so excited about that. But Maria and I, over the years, we've been married 25 years now, she finally trusts that I will just miss cues. That my capacity to be oblivious is huge. And too many times, we put way too much stock that our spouse knows what we need. Remember times we'd be driving in the car and there'd be an, an iciness in the front seat of the car. And it wasn't the air conditioner. And it wasn't because we lived in Northern Illinois. There was just a coolness. And I'd be driving and I'm like, you know, you have a choice sometimes, right? It's like, do I wanna open this box or do I just wanna drive and get to where we're going? I'm going in. I'm going to open the box. I'm like, what's wrong? You know. I'm over here going through everything in my remembrance. It's like a hamster on a wheel just like running. What did I do? What did I do? What did I say? What I didn't say? What did I, did I, I'm not thinking of anything. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, What's wrong? You know. I don't know. You give me way too much credit that I'm that observant. I could literally be oblivious right now. So here's my recommendation. Tell them what you're thinking. Tell them what you're thinking. And then she would tell me what she's thinking. And I would apologize, we'd get it right, we'd begin to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, that's what it is. And we begin to work through it. But how many times do we withhold and we're just assuming we want them just to know what's going on on the inside of us? Right? And we're offended because they should be doing something the way we wanted it done. So I'm going to encourage the one spouse to be aware that stuff is going on on the inside of your spouse. And the other spouse, I want you to be honest and share what's going on on the inside. I miss cues. I remember we've shared this before, but Maria would be walking through the grocery store and she'd see flowers there. And she would say, look at these flowers. Aren't they pretty? And I would say, yes, they are pretty flowers. <laughs> End of conversation. I didn't know there was more to the story. And she would make another comment. You know what? So-and-so, her husband bought her flowers last week. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Finally, she takes me by the shoulders, turns to me, says, buy me flowers. <laughs> oh, why didn't she say so? In her mind, she told me three times she wanted flowers. I finally understood. You get in this church? Your spouse has needs. Every relationship has needs. Are we aware whether or not we're meeting those needs? We get busy. We get busy at work. We get busy in ministry. We get busy with other things. Are we aware of what's going on on the inside of your spouse? And you walk in one day and you wonder, why is all this erupting? It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in one day. It's because there's some of this stuff that's been going on on the inside of your spouse too. Are you hearing me? Here's just five quick things just to write them down. I don't have time to do a marriage seminar right now, but your, your marriage needs, say needs, emotional connection. 
It needs emotional connection. Your spouse needs to feel heard, understood, valued in the relationship. That has to happen. Respect, number two, respect and appreciation. There needs to be expressions of gratitude and recognition for the efforts of your spouse, both male and female, right? Husbands to wives, wives to husbands. There needs to be some verbal affirmation, some thank yous and that I appreciate you moments, amen. You need to verbalize your affection. Number three, there needs to be affection and physical intimacy. Somebody say amen. Where's my little... There you go. This includes not only sexual intimacy, but non-sexual physical affection as well. Some holding hands, some, some expression, some hugging and stuff that you're not trying to get something out of it, right? You're just showing them that you're there, you support. But there does need to be physical sexual intimacy in your marriage. You don't have to raise your hand or celebrate that. I know what you're thinking. You're grateful I said it. Sometimes we just say it like the Bible says it. You need to get together. And we get busy and we, we're like, I don't have time. We don't, we're just have been so apart and all those things. My friends, these are needs that God has put in us. Verbal affirmation, respect, affection, physical intimacy, support and encouragement. Number four, support and encouragement. Your spouse appreciates your, their partner expressing encouragement in them pursuing their goals and dreams. Your spouse needs to hear that you are on their team too and not just that they're always on your team. Come on now, it's good. And time, quality time, number five. Time together is essential for maintaining a healthy marriage. It's so important. Again, we need to be aware so we're not caught off guard of what's going on inside of us, but we also need to be aware of what may be going on inside of our spouse. Maybe there's some needs that need to be met. We haven't spent any time. We haven't thanked them. We haven't supported their dreams or goals. We haven't touched them in some personal, loving way. And we haven't been close physically, sexually in a very long time. Who knows what all these things may be, but the conversation is this. There's stuff going on and we have to pay attention to those needs because we, we, we look at the fruit or we look at the reaction and we don't realize that there's stuff going on behind the scenes there and we didn't see this coming because we weren't paying attention to all the needs that we could have been meeting along the way. Somebody get excited about that. That's good preaching. That's truth. It's healthy. Amen. Being aware of the needs of others, I would also recommend paying attention to what's going on on the inside of your children. They're going through stuff too. Stuff at school, pressure, fear, anxiety. It's amazing when you, when you go through some of the stuff that they're listening to or watching, so many of the conversations you're seeing on TikTok have to do with depression, anxiety, self-doubt, fear. You're like, how can our young generation be so filled with all this fear and torment and depression. They should have beautiful lives. They live in, in a great nation in a great time. They're young, they're strong, they have their life in front of them and they're dealing with more thoughts of suicide and rejection and fear. Like what's going on on the inside of our children? May we not be surprised because we weren't paying attention to our kids. We were so busy conquering our own kingdoms, building our own wealth or our own success that we, kept our, we took our eye off the ball of our kids. Are you hearing me, church? I didn't see that coming. Well, we need to pause today and take some stock inventory. What's going on in you? What's going on in your spouse or others around you, maybe at work? And what's going on in your kids? You know, David, that we talked about, he didn't realize that his son Absalom was raising a rebellion against him. He didn't realize the unforgiveness and the bitterness Absalom carried because David and others completely turned their eye when his sister was raped. And he carried that bitterness for years and it finally manifested in the house being divided in war and Absalom, his son, trying to kill his father. David, man after God's own heart, but he didn't know what was going on in the hearts of his kids. Or we can even say this is a generational thing in David's family. David's father, when Samuel came to anoint David king, David's father didn't even bring David up as an option. His dad wasn't even thinking about it. Because David wasn't the biggest, the strongest, the best looking, the oldest. David was out in the field. 
And so when Samuel said, bring me all your sons, David's dad didn't even ask him to come in. Imagine your dad not even giving you the benefit of the doubt to give you a shot at being the one that God would choose. Are you hearing me, church? So this is all through David's broken family. And what I'm saying today is may we be aware what's going on in our kids. It's important that we have some family table conversations and we eat some meals together. It's important that you take some time in your busy schedule to go out and grab some coffee or breakfast with your kids here and there, even as they become adult children. It's important that you don't just try to tell them what to do, you listen to what's going on. What are their dreams? What's in their heart? And we try to celebrate and fan the flame of who God has created them to be. Amen. And then others, like I said, we talk about our spouse, our kids, but others, we assume too much regarding other people. We think we know what they're thinking. Too many times we think we know what other people are thinking. We're terrible at this, by the way. I just finished a book by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. It was called Talking to Strangers, if you've ever read it. And basically the book says this, we are terrible at knowing what people are thinking. That's the whole book. There you go. You don't even have to buy the book. There it is. We assume this is what they're thinking. This is why they're doing what they're doing. And we pass judgment on everybody. And the truth is we are horrible at that. The best thing you can do is sit down and ask questions and try to understand the people in our lives, coworkers, co-church members, employees, employers, and all these things Becoming aware, becoming aware, not assuming. Lastly, aware of times and seasons. Aware of your times and seasons. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, and the children of Issachar, the Bible says, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There's a tribe called the tribe of Issachar, and the Bible, one of the designations of that tribe that was a talent or something about them was they were individuals who had understanding of the times and the seasons they lived in, and they knew what they ought to do. If you are not aware of your time and your season, you will miss it when it comes. The Pharisees absolutely missed Jesus when he was standing right in front of them. They did not know that the very one they had prayed for was talking to them. They missed their time, their season, their moment. It is important, God help us not to be surprised, not to miss it, because we were not looking, we were not prepared, we didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear in our time and season. God, what are you saying in this generation? What are you doing in this generation? Amen. May you not long for the good old days, may you be right where God is today and now. Too many times we wish for a previous generation, but you can't Go back to that. You have to know, God, what are you saying and doing now? His word is unchanging. God is unchanging. But his, his methods or things that he does, does change. In some generations, it was tent revivals. Praise God for tent revivals. But you know what? Maybe today it's not tent revivals. It's TikTok revivals. <laughs> Maybe it's a social media movement. Maybe it's a movement in worship. May we be right in the middle of God, what are you doing today? I believe God is doing something in this church right now. I believe that God is in a fresh awakening moment in this house. Life has come. There's fresh word, fresh spirit, fresh opportunity, a desire to evangelize and disciple and to have community with one another. There's loving groups, loving volunteers. Something good is happening in this house. Do you not perceive it? If you're not careful, you'll be wishing for a past season and you'll miss this moment, this season. Isaiah 43, 19, see, God says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. But it asks the question, do you not perceive it? Right there in that question, it means that there's going to be people right in the middle of it that aren't seeing it. Your times and seasons your moment. Perhaps you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Stop waiting for another season. 
The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16, or chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, I won't read it for time's sake, but in Luke 12, there's a wealthy individual that keeps storing up stuff, storing up wealth, and building bigger barns and build, building bigger barns. And the Bible says, you did not know that tonight your life would be required of you. And it just reminds me that, you know what, there's gonna come a point in our life where the buzzer stops. And many of us, though we're not storing up storehouses, maybe of more things and more stuff, maybe you're storing all your gifts, your talents, your abilities, because you wanted to use them in the last season, but you didn't. And now you're waiting for another season and you're still not involved. You're still not doing what God's called you to do. But this right now is your time and your season and your moment. And if you're not careful, you're gonna miss it. And if you wait too long, the buzzer's gonna sound and your life will be ended and you'll get before God and you'll be like, God, I was always going to. God, I was always going to share with my neighbor about you. I was always going to be a witness. I was always going to get involved in that. I was always going to write that book. I was always going to write those songs. I was always going. And that buzzer, that time, your time and season will be missed. There is an expiration date on our times and seasons. Are you hearing me, church? And so you have to begin to be aware of what are we to be doing now and to be obedient now and not delay and not wait to another day or another season. What is God saying now? Did you get anything out of that today, church? Amen. May we pay attention to what's going on inside ourselves. May we pay attention to what's going on inside of others. And may we pay attention to the time and the seasons that we're in right now. God, what are you doing right now? What can I do to be a part of what you're doing right now? I don't wanna miss it. Let me pray this into your heart. Bow your heads, would you? Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've brought us to this moment of awareness. And I ask that you would help us to become aware of what's going on on the inside of each of us. Help us to become also aware and concerned with what's going on in our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. Help us not just to think the whole world revolves around ourselves. Help us to be sensitive and inquisitive about what's going on in others. And God, I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear about our time and season. What are you doing in the earth right now? What are you doing in this church right now? What would you have us do in this time, in this season? Speak, Lord. We're listening and we'll obey. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I end, I want to give individuals an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means every one of us needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages, penalties, cost of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. See, Jesus paid that price for us. The Bible goes on to say that all, say all, who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I wanna ask you today if you've ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to ask him to become your Lord and Savior. If you say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever actually asked Jesus to save me, to be my God, save me. Well, let's do that today. Or maybe you say, I used to have a relationship with God, but if I was honest, I've cooled off, drifted away, but I would sure like a new beginning. I would like to restart. In a moment, I'm gonna have you bow your heads. I'm gonna to count to three, and when I do, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand as an act of faith. And right where you are with your hand raised, God sees it. I'm gonna lead everyone in a prayer. And if you'll just put your faith in that prayer and what you're saying to God, God promises to hear and to save, to forgive you of your sin and to bring you into relationship with himself as a son and daughter of God. So if you all bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, nobody leaving right now. When I count to three, if you need to get right with God for the first time or to start anew, when I count to three, just put your hand up right where you are and we'll pray for you. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up this morning? so that God sees it and you declare it. Just pop your hand up right where you are. There's a hand in the back there. Thank you. 
Anybody else? Put it up. Put it up. Two. I see your hand there. Wonderful. Anybody else today? Put it up as an act of faith. Anyone else this morning? All right, let's all three. You're over here. I see this one over here. Awesome. Would you celebrate that church? We've got at least three. We want to praise God for that. There's a party in heaven for even one. Maybe you're watching online and you're praying this prayer. Let's all pray together so no one's praying by themselves. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those? We hope you have been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person for our Sunday morning worship experience every Sunday at 10 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. There you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.